Good morning. It's a great joy just to be in your number this morning. It's good to come back home. We are, I'm Steve Sablon, and uh, as Brother Wheeler mentioned, uh, I was the pastor of Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Lexington, Tennessee, and uh, for almost three years, and the Lord let us know that it was time uh, to move on. And, you know, sometimes we don't know why God does what he does. All we can do is just be faithful. And uh, as I look around here today, I'm, uh, I know what it feels like when the glory came right here and touched my soul. I see Brother Tommy there, who was a basketball coach for many years out at Warren East. And uh, on the north side of town, in a little brick house in my bedroom, in 1983, God spoke peace to my soul. And he saved me by his marvelous grace. I'm thankful for what God did for me that day. And I owe him everything. As I look around, I'm a little emotional today. I see uh, my former pastor at Drake's Creek, Brother David Whitty, him and his family. I just adore and we just love. He was the first pastor that took a great interest in me and my family. And I can't tell him how God used him in my life and in my family's life. And I can remember a time where God spoke to his heart in a Sunday school room and told him that uh, he needed to preach to the lost. And he did. He preached the gospel truth that you must repent or likewise perish. And that same night... My oldest daughter came downstairs and told us how she'd been saved by God's grace. I'm thankful for God-called preachers. I'm thankful that they follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And it is wonderful to be here today. And uh, I just ask you to pray for me. And uh, in the way of introductions, I would just like to say um, I appreciate your pastor very much, Brother Brad. He has been a great help to me in the ministry. He has always been a sounding board, always been there to talk to. And uh, I just count him a dear friend. And you are very, very blessed that he is your pastor. And I just wanted to echo that today. And I also want to tell this church how wonderful the minister school is. I can't tell you... uh, enough times that it is an oasis for all of us preachers and all of those that have been called and all of our families to come back to this place, that we might be amongst our brothers and sisters and and bear each other's burdens and fellowship and do all those things. It's a wonderful blessing, and I thank each of you personally for all of your labors for that school. It's a wonderful blessing. It's a respite, and it's much needed here today. 
I've already felt the Spirit of God here this morning. I ask you to continue to pray for us this morning as we try to bring out a message. Before we change the order of the service, will there be anything on anybody's heart? You're not out of order if God is dealing with your heart and knocking on your heart. Uh, let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Will there be anything on anybody's heart this morning? You need to say or do today. If not, the Lord's given us a few thoughts here, and we're going to do the best of our ability this morning. If you have your Bibles, we'll take up our reading in the gospel as recorded by Luke in the 22nd chapter. The gospel as recorded by Luke in the 22nd chapter. We're going to start in the 39th verse. I'll give you a moment uh, to get there in your Bibles. And this is the account of when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But this is pinned down by the physician Luke. and He has a different view of a different vernacular of this account. And this morning I appreciate the Sunday school lesson. Uh, I feel like uh, there's many things that God had placed upon my heart that you confirmed this morning in the Sunday school lesson. And uh, God's released me to preach this to you this morning. And I'm thankful that God can confirm in that still, small voice what we need for this hour, for this occasion. Luke 22, verse 39. And it says, and he came out and went, speaking of Jesus, as he was wont, or as he was accustomed to. This wasn't the first time he did that. To the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping or sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And that'll conclude our reading lesson uh, for today. And that's Luke 22, verse 39 through verse 46. Our subject today is in 
the garden. In the garden. You know, God once set up a garden for His creation. It was perfect. He spoke it into existence, this world. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He made day and He made night. And He put His crown jewel of all creation, mankind, me and you, in that garden to dress it. And he gave him the animals of uh, the, the, the animals of the ground and the, the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea and he, he, the waters. And it ta- the Bible talks about the first heaven up there where God dwells and the second heaven where the stars and the moon and all those things. And then down here, the first heaven where we dwell. You see, when God put man in that garden, that garden was without sin. And he gave Adam one commandment, the first Adam. He gave him one commandment, and that was not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That one commandment that Eve partake, because she was beguiled by the enemy. She gave it to Adam, and he partook. And at that place, in that point in time, that perfect place of habitation for mankind was forever cursed. And here we find, hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, after that creation where this world was sin-cursed, In the fullness of time that God sent the very best that heaven had to offer. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that He might uh, live in this world, that He would establish His church. But all in all, He was headed uh, to the cross of Calvary to die for the sins that we could not pay. Two thousand years ago, It's not old-fashioned. You know what? We have lessons that we need to draw from here in this very hour. And I want to say this today, that this was a singular experience by the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you know, every one of us have trials and we have temptations and we have things in life that we think are bad. But I want to tell you this, there was only one that was the perfect Lamb of God that came from heaven uh, to save us from our sins. And He was here. And many people think, well, He didn't feel the agony and the pain and the suffering until He was hanging between the heavens and the earth on the cross of Calvary. But friend, I'll tell you, right here in the garden, he was going through much anguish and he was going through much fear and much trembling because he was was 100% man and he was 100% God. My mind can't wrap around that. But it says here, He came out. He had just was in the upper room, the Lord's Supper. And he had just told them that there would be one that would betray him. 
And you know what he did? He went to the garden. He went to the, uh, the Mount of Olives and he went to that garden and he began to pray. And I believe it's not recorded here that he had three of his inner circle there that were with him, those apostles there. And it says here that he went into the garden to pray. And what did he do? He was withdrawn in the 41st verse. From them, about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed. Well, we talked a little bit about that, didn't we, this morning, Brother Danny? I'll tell you today, you want to get in touch with God, I can tell you, get uh, withdrawn from this world, get withdrawn from all the uh, distractions of this life, withdraw yourself, get in your prayer closet, get in that desolate place, and commune with Almighty God. That's what he wants today. He wants us to commune with him. I was thinking about this. I can tell you there's nothing that gives a father more pleasure and more enjoyment when his children uh, call him and talk to him and want to commune with him. And I can tell you it's no different than the father of heaven right here. But this was a great time of need. So in the garden, Jesus withdrew himself and he Begin to pray. That's where our prayer life starts. We were talking about that in Sunday school. We would draw ourselves from all the, all the commotion, all the busyness of this world, and we get in our prayer closet, we get in that place, and we commune with and you know, uh, it says here that, uh, it says here that those disciples, and I'm not going to get into all this, but as he was praying, he told them to pray that they might not be caught in temptation and they began to sleep. They began to sleep. But as Jesus was in this garden, he was praying to his father. I don't know about you, but many times if I'm not in a, if I'm up on the mountain, you know what? I just seem sometimes I don't even want to pray like I should. But when we get down in that valley, when we get down in that place that's so low and we need God's help, that's when we seem to get our hearts right and get where we can pray to God and commune with God. But here, uh, Jesus here, it says he withdrew himself about a, a stone's cast and he kneeled down and he began to pray. Many people would say, well, the pain and the suffering didn't start for Jesus until he hung on the cross. You believe that? I don't believe that one bit. He was mocked. He was spit upon. He uh, went through a, a, a trial that he had, uh, that uh, they were already convicted him. They accused him of being a criminal. They did all these things. And here, as he was praying to his father, he says to his father here, the 42nd verse. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Father, if there's any other way, remove this cup from me. I don't fully comprehend this, but I believe that was... The humanity of Christ. Father, if there'd be any other way, take this cup and uh, let's do it a different way. And you know, I don't believe Jesus for one bit 
was concerned about dying per se. You know what he was concerned about? He didn't want to be separated from the, from his father, the God, the God of heaven. He didn't want those things. But he says here, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus Christ was the only one that could pay the price for us. He was the spotless Lamb of God. He was the only one that could pay our sin debts. Uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden uh, when that sin, uh, they knew that they had sinned and fell short of the glory of God uh, because uh, they, were, they said that they're naked and God said, who told you you're naked? You know what? Where's the brother we were talking this morning? Man has a free will. <laughs> To do as we please. And when we sin against God, our conscience lets us know that we have sinned and fell short of the glory of God, of the law of God. But he says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be You know what Jesus was saying here? Father, if there's any other way, take this cup that it might pass from me. What was in the cup? The wrath of God. The judgment of God. What was in that cup is what you and I deserve for the penalty of of sin. But he says here, the God of heaven, Jesus Christ here, he began to pray. He began to uh, uh, withdraw himself and he began to get on his face and pray to Almighty God. And then he said, Father, if thou will, remove this cup from me. But I don't want it to be my will, but thine. He was facing agony. He was facing suffering as he was in this garden praying out to Almighty God. And it says here in the 44th verse, here, it was, his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He was sweating profusely. Just as great drops of blood, I believe, were falling from his brow all the way down. All in all, as he was praying, as he was not doing his will, he was doing the will of the Father. What was he doing to his disciples? In a selfless act, he was shepherding them because he is the good shepherd. 
And he was telling them, listen, there's time where I'm going to go away and I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send uh, the comforter. Uh, but he said, there will be times in your life where you will face temptation. Every one of the apostles, temptations were coming. Peter would deny him. There would be a, a, a world that the enemy would try to attack these apostles. And he was saying, what should you do, brethren? He said, pray that ye enter not into temptation. You know, I've heard a lot of sermons and a lot of lessons about the love of God. And friend, I want to tell you right here, as Jesus was right here in the garden agonizing uh, that he was going to have to drink that cup, that cup of wrath, of God's wrath, that cup of judgment as he was right here and he was getting ready to partake of that cup. And thanks be to God, he didn't just drink a little bit or a little sip. Friend, he drank it all for me and for you. And if, friend, if, I, if that doesn't tell you how much God loves us, I don't know what will. Thanks be to God that he sent his son in the fullness of time and he came down here and he took and he partake of the cup. And friend, I don't know, but I could only think that there was a picture. There was a picture of what he was getting ready to endure. I didn't even think about this as I was studying this. You know what Jesus did? Do you think Judas and those men just tripped him up? He went right to the place where, they, where he knew they were coming. Right to the very place. He said, I'm going to the garden and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to take my inner circle with me and I'm going to tell them to pray. I'm shepherding the sheep. He's saying, I'm going to pray for these men. And here he was submitting himself to Judas and these men. To take him in. Do you see how good God is? Jesus is our sin bearer. Isn't that wonderful today? Friends, if he wouldn't have uh, bore our sins... And let me, let me say this. He was not just a great teacher. He was not just a high priest, friend. He was all of the above. He was everything. And friend, he didn't sin one bit. He was tempted in all points, but sin, no, he didn't sin at all. But what he did, he walked through the door of prophecy. You know that? The Bible, the Word of God says that there would be one in the fullness of time that would come, that would lay down His life for all of us so that we might have life. And that's what He did. He wasn't selfish. It wasn't about His will. It was about God's will. I was sitting here thinking about this this morning. He said, Lord, I want to do your will. I'm going to pray to the Father. That's applicable today, is it not? And he went through agony. He went through suffering. 
And this was before, this preceded the cross. I'm not even talking about Isaiah 53 there, where he hung up there between the heavens and the earth and uh, he was brought to the slaughter, my friends. And I can tell you when he said it is finished, God was pleased with the offering because it was a perfect offering. Something that you and I could not, uh, that we had no way because of our sin. But in his lowest hour, Jesus was shepherding his sheep. He was shepherding those apostles. He was telling them, pray that you might not enter into temptation. Say, what does that mean today? You know, we live in a world today where our young people try to emulate folks in the world. Do they not? Athletes and people in Hollywood and all those things. I'll say this today. Young folks, if you want to emulate somebody, here is one that went to the garden and prayed and he got alone with God and he talked to his father. First, I will tell you this. Talk to your father through the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not. It's a wonderful thing to commune with Almighty God. And Jesus could have just went the way that he wanted to go. He could have just went that way, but he didn't. You know what he did? He wanted to please the Father. He said, not my will, but thine. There are things that happen in our life that we don't know why. But I can tell you this, If we'll get down on our knees and beg God for mercy and beg God for direction, you know what he'll do? He'll speak to us. How? I've never heard God audibly. He'll speak to us in a still, small voice. And we ought to try the spirits because there's a lot of spirits out there that aren't of God. But when we're prayed up like he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I want to say this too, uh, Christ's experience was far greater than anything that we could ever imagine. So for me to stand up here and act like this is uh, similar, I can tell you, friends, it's not. What he went through was painful. It was agony. And he died on the cross of Calvary for every one of us. So when we go through a trial in our life for a season compared to what Jesus did for us, it's not much. You know what? I've had those pity parties myself. Things just don't go your way on certain things. You don't know why. You don't know why things aren't going just right in your family. You don't know why things just aren't going right in your life, in your work, in your church, in your marriage. There's a way to clear that up right here. Get on our knees and pray.
at the end of these scriptures, end of this verses of scripture, listen to what Jesus said to his apostles. And he said unto them in the 46th verse, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. There was a question asked this morning in Sunday school. Can we pray without ceasing? I don't think we'll ever get there. But I can tell you this. If we would draw ourselves and start with our private prayer to Almighty God and get our hearts prostrate before God. And I didn't read this, but it said that Jesus fell on his face as he began to cry out to his Father. You know what? That's a good start. God's not looking at religion. God's looking on the heart. That's what God's concerned about. And we get our hearts right before God. I can tell you this. And we get, uh, we get humble before God and we cry out to God. I can tell you this. He will not leave us or forsake us. Friends, he suffered immensely before he ever got to Gagatha's Hill. He was in agony here. And I want you to take this home with you today. As he was in agony and he was in that garden and he was praying that he would take this cup of God's wrath and God's judgment. I want to say this to you this morning. You and his creation was on his mind. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be saved by God's grace? Isn't it a wonderful thing? I'm thankful today that I didn't get what I deserved, that I didn't get the judgment or the wrath of God. I can tell you this, that Jesus did this perfectly, and he didn't, drink, he didn't take just a drink of that. Friend, he took it all for me and you. And as he hung up there between the heavens and the earth, he said, it is finished. And they put him in that tomb, folks. That tomb couldn't hold him. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Aren't you thankful today for what Jesus did for us? You know, I, uh, you hear people all the time with all kinds of different doctrines that they believe. Here's what I believe. I almost mentioned this this morning, but I didn't in Sunday school. Here's what I believe. I believe that man has a free will to do as they believe. They can obey and run towards God or they can run the other direction. And I believe today with all of my heart that man will stand accountable and you won't stand there with mom and dad. You won't stand there with your family. You won't stand there with a group of people. You'll stand there in the judgment day uh, by yourself on your own merits. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to come by and he's going to pass by and he's not going to look for your good works. He's not going to look for your baptism. You know what he's going to look for? He's going to look for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, because that day when I was saved in 1983 on the north side of Bowling Green, Kentucky, it wasn't anything that I did by my own merits. Friend, when God passed by, you know what he did? And he saved my soul and he set me free. It was on the merits of what Jesus Christ did. Do you see how that works today? 
We are from the sin of Adam. And Adam's sin is put onto our account. But thanks be to God, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And here was Jesus. Here was a preview of the cross of Calvary. And he agonized because he didn't want to be separated from the Father. But I'm glad he didn't just go just a little bit. I'm thankful that he went all the way. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. And friends, today we have a high priest, friends, that's not on the journey. He's at the right hand of the Father today. And I can tell you, thanks be to God, that the King is on the throne today. In the garden. Oh, there's a lot in this text today. And I know I didn't do anything here And there's just things that we just won't understand on this side of eternity. But I can tell you this as God's people. This was a singular experience that that Christ had. We won't ever endure what He did. We might endure suffering for a day, but it won't be anything like our Savior. What did He do? He withdrew Himself and He fell upon His face. And he talked to his father. That's good instruction for today, isn't it? What else did he do? He didn't worry about his will. You know, we can go back and look at all the things and how people try to lift themselves up. The Tower of Babel, they were trying to uh, build a religious center and reach reach heaven. I can tell you they were concerned about themselves. How about this today? What is the will of God for my life? That's what Jesus was concerned about. Not my will, but what's God the Father's will. And friend, I'll tell you this, as he was agonizing, thinking about the wrath of God and the judgment of God, uh, partaking of that cup. You know what He did? He showed us how much He loves His people in this garden when He said, you know what? It's not about me. It's about my Father's will. He partook of that cup. Every bit of it. Paid in full. Died in our stead. And you know what he did here? He is the good shepherd today. You get your hearts upon your knees and cry out to God. Ask God that we want to be in the center of his will. He's right there with us to lead God and direct us. And once we're saved, we're always saved. But I'm thankful. I don't have to throw darts at a wall and try to figure this thing out. <clears throat> I get asked questions all the time. Brother Steve, why was your time up at Oak Grove? Oh, you preachers. Why was your time up? Because it was God's will. How do I know that? Because God spoke to me in that still Small voice that only he can do. He's the good shepherd. And for a reading lesson, I'll tell Brother Brad I gave a reading lesson today. 
Isaiah 53. Hundreds of years before Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. What a vivid experience of some of major suffering that he did. He was a lamb that was brought to the slaughter. But you know what it says over there in Isaiah 53? This is important. God was satisfied with the offering. We couldn't do that, folks. It had to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice. And that's the one that was in the garden. And you know what happened here? Jesus was tempted in all ways. But he knew no sin. But God's wrath and God's judgment was was just as if he's the one that sinned. You think God doesn't love his people? (laughs) I know that he loves us. (laughs) He sent the very best that heaven has to offer for us. (laughs) Let us pray without ceasing. Let us get to our desolate place. What did Jesus do? Before he selected those apostles. Says he prayed all night. Making sure they got it right. Over in Mark. Says early in the morning. He got in his desolate place. Deserted place. And he began to pray. (laughs) Here. In one of the most agonizing places that he was at here outside the cross as he was making his way to the cross what did Jesus do he withdrew himself kneeled down and prayed that's good instructions for God's people isn't it and he wasn't concerned about his will he wanted to please the Father. And that's what he did. Young person today, I'll tell you this, you can get caught up in a lot of things. But the single most important thing is that you get saved by the grace of God. I'm not talking about a head knowledge. I'm talking about the real thing. When glory comes into your soul and you know it. You don't have to ask somebody, are you okay? I can tell you, you'll know it. I used to tell my children that. How do you know, friend? You will know because God will speak to you in that still, small voice. And when He does, you've been bought with a price. You see what our Savior did in this garden? He went through a lot of agony and He could have been Selfish, but he wasn't. He fulfilled everything that he set out to do. He completed the mission on the cross of Calvary. And on the third day, he wasn't there. Get in that prayer closet. Ask God, God, what do you want me to do in this life for you? Because friend, once you're saved by the grace of God, All your hopes, all your dreams, all your desires should be placed upon Him. Being in the center of His will.
Do you see how much he loves us today? Do you see the anguish that he went through for us today? For his people. And he was there shepherding those men, telling them what they needed to do. Pray, pray, because trials will come. Isn't that how it is in the Christian life? Trials will come, but if our hearts are right before God and we're praying and we're close to God and we're communing with God, I can tell you we can overcome anything as long as we're in the center of God's will and we might not know why. We might not know when. But I can tell you today, there is peace with God being in the center of His will. Don't get this misconstrued. What Jesus went through here, we'll never experience this. But there are some parallels that we can draw from today. He completed his mission. He partake of the cup. He is our good shepherd. Brother David and I went to lunch many years ago. I don't know if you remember this, brother. (laughs) And I sat down with him and I said, Brother David, what does it feel like? (laughs) I don't know if this is the exact words. Brother David, what does it feel like if you've been called to preach? And I almost was like, I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) And you know what Brother David did? He gave me the best advice. That any man of God, God called preacher, could give a man. I remember him sitting back and I remember this smile on his face. And he said, brother, you'll know. I can't tell you that, but God will let you know. And I find that to be good advice. And I ran for that for a long time. But God's will... That's where it's at, folks. Been in the center of God's will, and I fail Him perfect. I fail Him every single day. But you know what? I got one or two talents. I don't have much. But you know what God's looking at? He's looking at the heart. Are you doing your very best with what I've given you? Are you in the center of my will? Are you praying? Are you communing with me? Folks, God wants to hear from us. Oh, there's so much more that can be taken out of the garden here. Pray. Been in God's will. The love of God, what He did for us. And He'll never leave us or forsake us, even when we are asleep. Like the apostles, they were sleeping. You know what? He still loves us. And He is shepherding us through His Spirit today. And what he did to pay that debt that we couldn't pay. We are in forever, eternally indebted. 10,000 years will just be started. Isn't that wonderful today? If you've not been saved by the grace of God, I'll tell you, and he's speaking to your heart today, seek him. Seek him. You won't regret it. It's the most important thing you need to get right on this side of eternity. But I'm thankful that we have this account of Jesus in the garden.
That's our little thought today. That's what the Lord placed upon our heart. And uh, I pray that you'll consider it. And I pray that God speaks to your heart just as much as he did mine as I was trying to prepare and study. I don't know if we need to get a song or anybody has anything up on their heart today to say or do. I want to say it's been a great joy to be here today. I can't tell you how I feel when I come home. But this place isn't the final place. It's, home. it's good to come home, be with family and friends. But we're just journeying in this life. There's a better home whose builder and maker is God. That's where I'm going to. But it's always good for these moments that we're gathered here in this place. Always good to come home. I appreciate this church very much. I appreciate you listening to me today. I pray that it be a help to you.